If you have the book of John open, I want to talk to you a little plainly first at the beginning. John is, is older uh, in, in first, second, and third John, and so he's now young, writing this. And John, of course, is the one that would love the Lord, uh, or he's called the apostle of love. And so we look to John a lot of times as speaking to the whole world. And uh, he's speaking to the world because of John 3.16, for God so loved the world. We understand that. But you can always identify John's writings with three things, just like you can identify Paul's writings. Paul has internal evidence in his letters because he's always talking about faith, hope, and love. And he's talking about the, of course, um, the work of faith, the, uh, what's the, the patience of hope, um, and the labor of love, those kind of things he's, he's known for. Well, John is known for life, uh, love, and light. Uh, John's known for that. We can see his, his, in his writings, we know that he's talking about these three things. In, in John chapter 1, he brings out the understanding of life, eternal life, and so it helps us understand a little bit more uh, of, of who he's, who's writing and what he's writing about. And uh, I know for me, um, I enjoy reading the scriptures, um, and, and sometimes I'll come to a portion of scripture that I'm not really uh, getting as far as I'm not absorbing it. It's like I read it, but I got to go back and read what I just read because I'm not quite, it's not quite getting in there. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe I'm the only one that happens to, but sometimes it's like I have to go back and read it. But it seems like when John is writing, I'm there all the time. I, when he, when I'm, re- I'm reading from the book of John, it makes so much sense. When somebody is actually doubting their salvation or moving from one uh, place in their life to the next, uh, spiritually, I would tell them to read the book of John. Uh, maybe to read the book of Romans and understand salvation a little more. And John really brings out the understanding in this passage that there is going to be uh, the beginning of things. And in the beginning, of course, being a new year, we want to say that we are facing a new year. But John begins to answer questions for us as we read the Word of God. And um, he, he answers a few questions in here. Uh, verse number one, where it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Um, can someone get me a glass of water? I'd appreciate it. Um, but it's interesting as we think about this, because uh, a lot of translations uh, change the words around. And, um, and they'll, they'll tell you, well, um, you know, the words are changed because it really means this, and so on. Um, can I just share with you that uh, the, the way to translate the old uh, manuscripts into the English language should be word for word and not just dynamic equivalency. That's a big word, a big term they use, and they'll say, well, this is what God meant. I don't want any person telling me what God meant. I want to know what God said. And so when it comes to John 1, 1, it helps us understand a little bit more of the truth of the word. Now, in your Bible, you see it's a capital W um, every time it's mentioned. Thank you so much, Parker. I appreciate that. A little communion cup for a little communion cup of glass. Well, it's like I have to put my thumb out. It's petite, you know. Thank you for the cup, sir. I can tease you, right? Anyway. I think a lot of times when we're looking at the scriptures, we, we miss over the doctrine. In this particular verse, the New World Translations, with the Jehovah Witnesses use, it doesn't say this at all. 
It, it, it actually belittles Christ. And any religion that does not teach the eternality of Jesus Christ needs to be rejected. And so when we come to this understanding that we need to be steadfast for 2021, I, I want you to turn your Bibles with me just for a second back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because he's, he's dealing with this here, uh, maybe uh, in the context of it, he's dealing with us, helping, helping us understand uh, the, the gospel of Christ is absolutely essential. And so in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, remember that Paul is writing this to the church at Corinth. It's instruction. 2 Corinthians is construction. And so it kind of gives us a little bit of understanding that he's instructing them here. And he's talking about death. He's talking about, um, of course, of course, uh, victory over the death is Jesus Christ. And, and uh, death has no victory over the believer um, in fact, for the believer, we close our eyes and we go to sleep and we're in the presence of the Lord. And so absent from the body, present with the Lord at that particular time. We know that already, but Paul's writing it to the church at Corinth. and He's helping them to understand that death has no victory because of Jesus Christ. And it says that in verse number 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The, and, and of course, he goes on to say uh, in verse number 58, therefore, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, therefore, and because uh, that God has given us an avenue uh, to understand that he's conquered death, because of that, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, uh, uh, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. And so when we're talking about being steadfast, we're talking about being steadfast in the doctrine of Jesus Christ and uh, victory, of course, over death. And so we're talking about being steadfast. We're talking about sitting. Um, steadfast is a word that means to be able to be seated. Uh, someone who would stand their ground. Someone who is confident in the faith. Um, someone who's not turning aside. They are steadfast from the beginning of the year. We are challenged to be steadfast all year long. Steadfast um, like uh, a chair it is solid and firm that you can sit on and uh, you can be stabilized by it. Uh, so we're looking at the word steadfast here is talking about a positioned person who uh, would continue on. In fact, um, I think that Colossians chapter 1, verse number 23, if you want to write that next to verse 58 here, I think it goes along with what we're talking about, Colossians 1.23. If you continue in faith, um, grounded and settled. By the way, if you continued in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am, a, am made a minister." And, uh, and also in Second in John, I think John deals with um, this particular issue of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and uh, the power of Christ. It says in Second John 1, 9, Whosoever transgresses and abides not in the doctrine of Christ, and hath not God, uh, he hath not God, and he abides in the doctrine, he that abides in the doctrine of Christ has also the Father and the Son. And so he's giving us an understanding uh, to be steadfast in the doctrine of Jesus Christ and who Christ is. And I think it's important for us to know that until we know who he is 
until we get a good view of God, we'll not get a, a very good view of, of ourselves until we really know who God is. You find somebody who has a small opinion of themselves and always struggling, it's because of their relationship with God. God gives us confidence through his spirit that we could continue on, gives us strength even in our day in which we live and concerning uh, the times that we're in, we're facing some new years, a new, a new year, a new beginnings. And so we live in a day of extreme technology. Uh, you're aware of that. And we have answers for everything. I was um, on the computer yesterday and we were trying to find out how old somebody was. And I think it was um, some old country singer. I wanted to know how old he was. And so I was with my father yesterday for a little bit. And so I spoke into my computer, how old is so-and-so? Uh, and it came up how old he was. Um, that particular knowledge is at our fingertips. In our day, we have extreme capability uh, to surf the network for knowledge and uh, with all things at our fingertips. Uh, the age-long question should be asked. And try this sometime. Say, Alexa, who am I? See what the computer says. I, I think it'd be interesting because I think a lot of times the technology, we have the ability, but there are certain questions that cannot be answered by technology. And one of those, who am I? Alexa, what am I worth? Maybe they know how much I have. You know, I don't know. Maybe they know if I'm, my checking account balance is overdrawn. You know, I don't know. What am I worth, Alexa. Alexa, where did I come from? What is my purpose in life, Alexa? Where am I going to go when I die? I mean, I can just imagine Alexa. She's thinking, where do I find it? And somehow, all of these questions seem to draw us back to the existence of God. And then the origin of man. And back to the beginning and then questions arise like, is there really a God? Does he exist? Where is he if there is a God? Does he know I exist? And where do I go for the answers in these things? Well, I just want to share with you that the Bible is still relevant, people. And if you're listening at me, to me from home, I want you to know that the mysteries of life are found in the scriptures. We know that the beginning of life comes from God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Very basic, right? And John wanted to help us understand that in the beginning, there was this understanding of coexistence. Jesus and God were always throughout eternity together. Figure that out. It's interesting when we talk about the Spirit of God. We know that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then the Spirit moved upon the face of the water, and we see all of these things. And it's mentioned in, in John here, he says that the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him was nothing, uh, was anything made that was made. And so we understand that everything comes from God, that he in the beginning made everything. And so, as we're looking at the mysteries that, of life, they're unveiled in the scriptures. And Psalm 90, verse number 2 says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. It's a mystery to me sometimes when I think about eternity. Someone said if you take a, 
a bird and they were to take one little pebble of sand from the Miami beach and fly over to Europe and drop it on the shore and then come back and pick up another grain of sand and, and kept doing that until all the sand was removed of all the beaches in America, eternity would have just begun. Think about that. It kind of blows your mind to think about that there is this thing called eternity, and somehow God, with all of his omnipotence and omniscience and the ability to be omnipresent, has made you for this particular time. We always think about the world coming to an end, and many people are talking about that. Even the secular world is talking about it now. And 2021 is bringing a lot more challenges to us and all of the pandemic issues. And now I heard that there's another COVID coming, another strand of it, you know, um, because the first one didn't work for him that well. But Psalm 93, verse number 2 says, Thy throne is established of old, thou art from everlasting. And so any religion that belittles Christ and doesn't view the coexistence of Jesus and God together is a false religion. The Bible tells us in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So you have preexistence and you have coexistence right here in John 1.1, 1, 1. we have light and we have love and we have light and understanding of his creation, all of that. But I think one of the most important verses in this passage is verse number 12. Look what it says. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So now we're talking about reception. Because remember, revelation and then invitation I think once your eyes are open to not only who God is, but you sinned against the holy God, you understand the law, that you have broken the law of God, and then there is a need to receive him. That's why it's called a schoolmaster, the Ten Commandments and the law of God, because it, it, it shows us that we cannot make it to God. None of us can keep all the commandments. Every man's a liar, only God is true. The book of Romans tells us that. Job 36, verse number 26 says, Behold, God is great, and we know him not. Neither can the number of his years be searched out. In Daniel 7, verse number 9, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Dades did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hairs of his head like pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. So the battle over truth and the truth of God's word, it rages in our day. There is an attack upon the word of God even today. And the battle for truth is still really our cause and our purpose. The battle over the origin of man in our country, I think it all began in 1925. There were those who still identify evolution as scientific, in order to justify an anti-Christian mentality. And so uh, this thing lately has been saying, follow the science. I mean, how hypocritical. We have followed the God of the science. We know that God is real, and God is the one that is supreme. But I think back here in this, the old days, 1925, this was the display of the famous uh, 
They called it the Scopes Monkey Trial, where human, humanistic forces came together to strike a blow against our God and against the Bible. This trial was inaugura- the inauguration of a newly founded organization called the ACLU. That's where it all began back in 1925, a long time ago. The outcome of this trial sent fundamental Bible-believing Christians to go home in silence, and many of them remained silenced from that time on. They feel like they were defeated. And since those days, we have had times when God's people had had enough, and then they pushed back the lies and the deceptions that are going on in the world system. And I believe that they're stronger today than they were in 1925. And they're stronger today than they were in the 1970s. And they're stronger today than it was in 1998 when I came, became the pastor of Grace Baptist. The world system is corrupt, and it is waxing worse and worse. And there are more deceivers and more deception in the world than there was when I became the pastor of Grace Baptist Church. It's just a fact. Um, the Moral Majority was a prominent American poli- political organization associated with, with the Christian right. You might remember that. It was part, the Republican Party, of course, and the Christian right came together. It was founded in 1979 by a Baptist minister named Jerry Falwell. That may ring a bell to some of you. And, of course, it discloses uh, and, and was dissolved, by the way, in the 1980s, I think in the late 80s. In 1979, uh, fundamentalists in the U.S. became strong supporters of Israel, seeing that the Jews as important in the fulfillment of their vision of Armageddon. Falwell and the moral majority became outspoken supporters of Israel. Falwell said at that time to stand against Israel is to stand against God. And Prime Minister uh, Mechachem Begin of Israel called on Reverend Falwell in 1981 after the Israeli bombing of an Iraqi nuclear facility to rally a favorable response from the American people. He called and said, help me, pray for us. Falwell gave a sermon on behalf of Israel and asked the most, the most influential uh, pastors in our land, 80,000 of them associated with the moral majority to do the same and to pray for Israel. In 1982, Ron Godwin announced the moral majority was going to lead tours to Israel to transform many of the concerned American citizens into well-informed, educated friends of Israel, as many as possible. And in February 1985, Falwell led a group of nearly 1,000 Americans to Israel, where among their other activities, they met with prominent Israeli leaders. One of them was General uh, Ariel Sharon, Falwell and the moral majority also encouraged U.S. citizens to register for the 1984 elections, that's the year I got married, 36 years ago, and to vote for legislators who strongly supported Israel. Well, praise the Lord for Jerry Falwell and his influence upon what was necessary at that particular time. Boy, we need some guys like Jerry Falwell today. We need some Christians that will go out and be strong, stand and push back the tide of deceit that's happening in our land. We are facing the same frustrations and fears because of, of a nation that has lost and been robbed of her way. And how can we make 2021 a happy new year? How can we? The first thing is to understand that God is more interested in our holiness than he is our happiness. Because I think people look in America and say, well, if we, everything would go back to the way it was when we had Mayberry, everything would be happy again. You know, if it was just like it was back in the happy days, it would be a lot better. 
And uh, going forward, dear friends, the only thing that's going to make America great again is the Scriptures and the Christians to wake up and to push back. And many of us have been desensitized like they were in 1925 and been pushed home, and that's where they remain. And so what can we learn from this passage that will help us? I think the first thing that we need to accept, number one, is that this describes the supremacy of Jesus Christ in 1 through 5. Look at the Bible, if you would, with me again. I want to read those verses to you. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. This is a great passage, and it is moving from the uh, invisible to the visible. Now, up to this point, Jesus had been somewhat invisible, and now he's going to be revealed. And I think it's interesting that John, back in his letters, 1 John begins it like this. 1 John chapter 1, he's 96 years old, and he says, that which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. And so he uses this letter. He begins just like he, he, he did in, in John chapter 1, helps us to understand that this word he's speaking of, they handled him. They talked to him. They shook hands with him. They hugged him. This was the Messiah that Jesus Christ did come in the flesh and dwelt among us. And so for the unseen to be seen, the beginning, as we think about that in the text, in the beginning, in the beginning of the world before all time, before anything was created, the Son of God had substance, and that substance was with the Father, of whom he was begotten from all eternity, and himself, eternal God, being by his Father, in his eternal purpose, designed to be the Messiah, who is known among the Jews by the title of the Word of God, capital W, that he is the Word of God. And when he returns, he'll be upon a white horse, and on his side it will say the Word of God, Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, and our Lord. So we have the preexistence and his coexistence and his self-existence all in the first part of this. It helps us to understand that he is supreme, the Bible tells us this in Colossians chapter 1. Paul is writing to the church of Colossae and hoping that he would spread it, they would take this and spread it to the other churches in the area. But this is what he wrote. He said, for by him, talking about Jesus Christ, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And so he is the creator and the sustainer of all things. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And so we understand that this Jesus that we follow, this Jesus that we trust, is preeminent. He is above all things. Uh, having a high view of God is Paul's desire the church of Colossae, helping them to understand that he is and described as supreme. 
So do you have an understanding of the supremacy of Christ? Do you place him in that position in your life? Does Christ have the top? Does he have the throne of your heart? Say, well, I, I know who he is, but I've not made him king yet. Well, then don't wait any longer, dear friend. Because it may just be that today God's going to stop tarrying and come and get his own and you'll be left behind. Don't tarry. Make sure you've trusted him. Make sure you've opened the door of your heart to him. He is supreme. So the second thing I think we see in the scripture 6 through 14, this is discloses really the sovereignty of God. And I think it's interesting as we look at it, look at verse number 6, and I'll read all the way down to verse number 14. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. We're talking about John the Baptist. The same came from, for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear the witness of the light, capital L. And that was the true light, which lights every man that comes into the world. And he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. And he came unto his own, and his own received him not. He was rejected. I remember getting a letter from a young man that was uh, in different homes growing up, and he felt rejected by his father and his mother. And uh, I wrote him a letter, and I said, now you know how Jesus felt. Now you know how Jesus felt. Those that should have loved him rejected him. And us, do we really love him? Are we really concerned about Jesus and his view toward us? But as many as received him, Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So there is a reception that must take place. I was talking to a man not too long ago. Uh, I think it's been a couple of years now. Because I remember last Christmas visiting him in a nursing home. That's pre-COVID, and so I could go in nursing homes and I went to see him and talk to him, and he was just so thankful of his relationship with the Lord. I remember um, my initial meeting with him. Um, he's my neighbor, lives on the hill. He came down with a tractor, and I think he was 91 at the time. Uh, first time I met him, his name is Wilbur Klon. They call him Moose, and uh, I heard he was in a hospital and was having some difficulties, and so I went to see him. And uh, they had uh, cut into his uh, spleen while they were doing surgery and just gave him a matter of days to live. I went in to talk to him, and back then he didn't have masks on or anything. and come right and talk to him. And I talked to my 90-some-year-old neighbor and, and found out that he had a view of God. He knew who God was. He knew who Jesus was, but never opened his door to Jesus, never received him. The Bible says here that many have received him to them, gave you the power or the authority or the right to become the sons of God. And so there needed to be that opening of his heart. And I, I said, listen, Wilbur, this is no game. He says, I, I know, he's sweating. He's got a fever. He, he's, he's going to die. That's what they said. And I began to talk to him about his soul. And it, about a half an hour later, Wilbur said, this is what's been missing in my life. Let's do this. And he put his hands up like this, just like a little, little child. And he said, dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I opened my, my heart for you. Would you forgive me and come in? It was just a super basic prayer. Then he opened his eyes and he goes, that's what I've been missing. 
My whole life. Did you know that some ladies from our church went to sing to Wilbur? And did you know that he's still alive today? You know, it's interesting that God has a plan. And sometimes we think, well, this is such a burden. It's very difficult. I can't handle this one. But it's the very thing that God can use in your life to bring you closer to him and have a relationship with him. He's drawing you to your friend. And by the way, when he chastens you, it's not a rejection. He's actually showing you how much he loves you. But I think it's important for us to remember that he is preeminent. And in these particular verses, we see also the sovereignty of God. Look at verse number 12 also. Look at verse 13. It says, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The sovereignty of God is his absolute right to do all things according to his good pleasure. We must have a proper view of the sovereignty of God. God is completely in control. Can you say that with me? God is in... That's what I said, yeah. That's what I said. But God is in complete control. He is completely aware of all your hurts, all your troubles. He knows exactly what's going on in the White House right now. God knows. He is supreme. Isaiah 40, verse 18, reads this way. To whom then will be likened God? For what likeness will you compare unto him? The workman melts a graven image, and the goldsmith spreads it over with gold and casts the silver chains uh, he that is uh, so impoverished that he hath no oblation chooses a tree that will not rot. Uh, he seeks unto his cunning workmen to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. Have you not known and have you not heard? Hath it not been told to you from the beginning? You have not understood from the foundations of the earth. It is he who sits upon the circle of the earth. And the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretch out the heavens as a curtain and spreads them out as a tent to dwell in that brings the princes to nothing and makes the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted and yea, they shall not be sown and yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth. For he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither. And the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. To whom then will you liken me, or shall be equal, saith the Holy One? In Jeremiah chapter 10, verse number 6, For as much as there is none like unto you, O Lord, thou art great, and thy name is great and mighty. Daniel 4, verses 34 and 35 says this, And at the end of the days I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised thee and honored him that lives forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of the heavens and among the inhabitants of the earth, and the none can stay his hand and say unto him, Who art thou? Because we know he is God. He is the ruler of the universe. He is our Father, and this is his world. And he will someday do as he pleases to it, and he will not flood it again, but he will burn it like fire. That's what the scriptures teach. And we know that he is our God, and he is sovereign. Sometimes people say, I don't know why that happened that way. Let God be God. I remember being at an ordination service one time with a bunch of pastors, and 
I'm not the kind of person that says much at ordinations because I know how it is when you're up there. It's difficult, you know. I don't know how many men we had here, but Pastor King was very kind to me, and I hope I answered everything correctly. There's a couple of things in there that I went against some of the normal thinking on things, but it's very difficult. But remember, we were stuck at a point, and then finally a great pastor stood up and he said this, let God be God. That's how he said it. You know, it was like, wow, over the intercom, you know. He had like an amplifier in his voice. Let God be God. Because there's some things that we don't understand, but we know this for certain, is that God is the creator and the sustainer of everything. And he is in complete control. We must trust him. He knows what he's doing. And by the way, living the Christian life isn't so hard. It really isn't. You just get up in the morning and say, thank you for a good night's rest, Lord. Just lead me today. I yield to you. And what comes, comes. And we trust him. No matter what we're doing, he's in complete control. The last point also is this demands the stewardship of man. And I think it's important for us in order to be able to make it in 2021 to know that this particular passage describes the supremacy of Christ It also discloses the sovereignty of God, but it also demands the stewardship of man to walk with God. In order to walk with God, you must agree with him. If God's against it, so am I. And by the way, you don't have to look too far to sense God's direction, dear friend. If you've been born again, he will lead you. Just submit to him. Say, yes, Lord, yes, have your will and have your way. Say, yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. And when your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I will agree. I will agree. My answer will be yes, Lord. Yes. Have you said yes to him? I hope you have. The first thing is really to have a proper walk with him. That's a stewardship thing is to walk with God. We've been breathing his air and eating his food and we've been sheltered by his grace. And so now we must walk with him. Are you walking with God? I hope it's a goal that you have to walk with him in 2021 and to be steadfast, to continue to to stay grounded in the truth of of his word, the the basic things. They call us fundamentalists a lot. You know what? They get a big kick out of that. They call us funnies and all that stuff. But I think reinstating the obvious is part of what is needed in our day and age. I think the basics are needed to be preached again and taught again and to continue to bring to remembrance of God's people. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Can you imagine saying to God, we just need to agree to disagree? Can you imagine saying that to God? Now you're walking along with somebody at work and things are going well and you don't agree with them. You can just turn to them and say, look, you know, we're going to have to agree to disagree and keep working together. But in order to walk with God, you can't say that. You have to agree with God. You have to put yourself under his authority. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. And then resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That word submit is the word upotasso in the Greek language. It means to arrange yourself under his authority. You know, many times we'd go for marches. We had 80 guys in my platoon, 2018. That was my platoon number. And we thought we'd take first place in drill because our drill instructor said, we'll do the best out there. We had a couple guys that wouldn't walk in step. 
They just couldn't get their left from their right foot. We had one guy that always had his head tilted to the side. He couldn't march unless he tilted his head to the side. You know, even the drill instructor put his head back and then just took the helmet and turned it a little bit. You know? But when the drill instructor spoke, he would say, left, right, left. We had to listen to him. And then he'd say, by the right flank, march. And then we'd have like a semi-right, like a 45-degree angle. We'd march. Then he'd go forward, march. We listened to him. We arranged ourselves under his calling. And that's when we submit to God. We just say, God, I'm yielding to your calling. I'm yielding to you this day. You know, life is a whole lot better when you just let God be God. What is it, let go and let God? You ever heard that before? That wouldn't be a bad T-shirt for us to get. Let go and let God as a reminder. But I think it's important to remember that if God's against it, we should be. 1 Kings 8.23 said, he said unto the, he, he, and he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or on earth beneath who keepest the covenant and is merciful and thy servants shall walk before thee with all their heart. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 2, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling savor. In Colossians 4, verse number 5, the Bible says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. 1 John 1, 16 says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. In 1 John 1, verse number 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's important that we understand 2021 to walk with him and then to witness for Christ. That's why he's given us the power. Say, boy, I just wish I had the confidence and the power. He already gave it to you. The Bible tells us in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power at the Holy, Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Acts 22.15 says, And thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. When the apostle Paul got up off his knees on the road to Damascus, remember the story? He says, What would you have me to do, Lord? What power came to him? Revelation. And then that was the invitation to do something for God. Pretty powerful. A man wrote this poem. I want to read it to you in closing. What shall I wish thee? Treasures of the earth, songs in the springtime, pleasures and mirth, flowers on thy pathway, skies ever clear. What should I wish for you? Would this ensure thee a happy new year? What shall I wish thee? What can be found bringing thee sunshine all year round? Where is the treasure lasting and dear that shall ensure thee happy? happiness all year. Faith that increases, walk in the light. Hope that abounds, happy and bright. Love that is perfect, casting out fear. These all ensure thee a happy new year. Peace in the Savior, rest at his feet. Smile on his countenance, radiant and sweet. Joy in his presence, Christ ever near. This will ensure thee a happy New Year. We get so clustered with all kinds of things, don't we? 
We get frustrate, frustrated with what's going on on the news, and we get angry with family problems and issues at work and all that. All that stuff takes us away from trusting God and walking with him. Remember how that Mary was, uh, of course, all, all Martha was so cumbered about with all these things, and Mary just went to the feet of Jesus, and Jesus said she chose the better thing. We would choose the better thing to just stay at the feet of Jesus and be comforted in 2021. Your relationship with him is essential. Keep it. We'll do the best we can to keep the doors open here and continue on in 2021. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. This morning, maybe you already made decisions before you came to church. Maybe this morning you know that God has been working in your heart and you see the door open now. That's that revelation. Your eyes are open. And his invitations there, he's saying, come. And maybe it was for church membership even. Maybe it was for salvation or baptism. But now is the time to say, yes, Lord, yes, have your will and have your way. Is there someone here this morning that would say, Pastor, I, I still have not opened my heart to Jesus, but I desire him. Oh, I understand that he is who he says he is. And I want to receive him. Is there anyone like that this morning? Just lift your hand and put it back down again. No one's looking around. Just me and you and the Lord. Is there anyone who say, I need Jesus in my life. I, wanna, I want him to come in to my heart. Then Christian, this message was for you. Oh, it's been a long time since you've walked with him this close. And you desire to be able to even go closer. And maybe right now he's working in your life. We'll give you an opportunity to come. Maybe you just need to come, kneel down at an old-fashioned altar. But we'll give you that option. It's open for you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Would you stand to your feet? No one looking around. No one looking around. I'm going to pray, and as soon as I'm done, the invitation will begin. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would guide this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.